Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of The Big Life. For those of you who are new, I'm your host, Jordan Wickes from Michigan State University. And I am Sam Carey from the University of Iowa. Jordan, four episodes in. Who would have thought we made it this far? <laughs> Honestly, not me. <laughs> This is amazing. As a little recap to how this podcast started, like it was literally a DM that Jordan shot Girls Soccer Network over the summer and it's came to be. And honestly, it has been so much fun. We are so thankful for everyone who has stayed tuned and listened. I know our last episode was really big and vulnerable for both of us, especially Jordan, in some cases to talk about. And it seemed like you guys really appreciated it. I have loved all the feedback that you've given us. So please, as a reminder, if you support us, if you support what we do, like and subscribe our podcast, download it, share with a friend, a teammate, a coach, anyone. We would love to help and get this word out as much as possible. Absolutely. Appreciate all the support we had on last episode. Um, And as Sam said, if you have any questions too, we'll answer a few in today's episode, but feel free to shoot them our way. And Absolutely. Week two, big week. For those who don't necessarily know the flow of women's college soccer, you start with around four weeks of non-conference when you can team schedule their games years in advance of who they're going to play, how they're going to get the highest RPI games possible, all that stuff. And this is where it all goes down before we all get ready for conference play. So a couple of big score lines, big, you know, ones that caught my eye. I'm sure there's some that caught Jordan's eye. There's some sleeper teams that I feel like deserve a shout out that either I've played or haven't, but are great teams and doing well or off to a hot start so far this season. Jordan, what was some of the big score lines that stood out to you? Yeah, we talked a little bit before the episode, Milwaukee. We talked about them last week, tying Notre Dame, and now they just beat Minnesota. I don't think their team, many of us saw coming, but they seem to be putting together a really, really good season so far. You know, Milwaukee's a really interesting team, and it's a team that we played last spring in a literal blizzard. It was the snowiest game I've ever played in in my life. They're a great team. They're a really difficult team to play in at Milwaukee as well, and I think They don't necessarily get the respect that they deserve sometimes because they are in the Horizon League and people see that as not a power five and stuff, but they've definitely turned some heads. And speaking of a mid-major turning some power five heads, you also have Dayton, who in three games have either tied or beat power five schools. So that's a big stat and definitely something that Atlantic 10 doesn't necessarily always have you know, the best competition in the sense of you have slew that always seems to take it. So maybe Dayton's on a run this year. So it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. So there's some crazy ties in the Big Ten. What's it out to you there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some interesting scorelines, some different types of goals. I think the one that all of us were replaying on the bus going home was uh, that Nebraska goal, flip throw to a bicycle kick. Absolutely. Definitely, uh, you know, top five highlight play for sure so it has to be it has to be I mean how do you have both a flip throw and a bicycle kick in the same play and not and speaking of big 10 competition we have Michigan ties Virginia so a top five tie uh Wisconsin ties North Carolina so top two in the country going at it right there and then you have Josie Alessino out of Northwestern who scored a hat trick in 12 minutes so in Northwestern's game against Oakland, 12 minutes for her to score a hat trick. So a couple of shout outs across the Big Ten, as we always say, we're lovely competitors, but we also we also root for each other and check out each other's score lines. Definitely a crazy weekend for college soccer and Big Ten soccer in general. Yeah, definitely. How was your weekend? You had your big rivalry game coming up. How did that go? So Iowa played Iowa State and... You know, as someone not from the state of Iowa, before I moved here, I had no idea how big that rivalry was and how important it was to the state. But the Cyhawk series is something that 
is taken very seriously and it's something that we take a lot of pride in being the first school to always kick it off and last year we lost so it was kind of a big a big strike to our egos a bit uh our pride so we had to take it all back this year and we pulled away with a win we won two to one against iowa state on our home field and that was definitely a great start to a weekend a great start to the cyhawk series we were in a bit of a unique case. We actually did not play a game on Sunday. So we were one of the few schools that didn't have a game, which was very weird to watch other score lines go on while I was just at practice and then home. But it was a nice little break, a little reset for us and getting ready for a big week. Jordan, though, I would like to say, everyone, Jordan spent a little bit of the last podcast hyping me up. And <laughs> I was you know, joking about this facade of like, we got it. We can't do this. But She's wearing a hat. I also have my handy daddy hat right here for Miss Patrick over here. So tell us about your Colorado State game. Tell us about the reason why we might be wearing hats and how that all happened. Yeah, yeah. I decided to give Josie a little run for her money. After everything we talked about last episode, I set the new MSU record, fastest hat trick in just under eight minutes against our Northern Colorado game. Crazy. Like we said, like, I literally have no words, Jordan. Let's talk about this. We literally got, went deep in the last episode about your kind of frustrations and stuff that was going on. And then your first game out, you listened to the episode, maybe for a bit of motivation, you got on Thursday and get a hat trick in eight minutes. So walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. I think this really just kind of hones in on a lot of the points we made last week. Soccer is anything but linear. You know, like we said, I went from playing nine minutes and five minutes against Cincinnati and Bowling Green to coming in our third game, Northern Colorado, and, you know, breaking a nice little record. It was an amazing feeling. Um, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I played a total of 22 minutes that game, right? Like I, I maximized them to the best of my ability. It was an amazing feeling, amazing accomplishment. I'm very, very happy, very, very excited for it. But, you know, again, you can't really judge a person or judge anything off of the stat line while I'm ecstatic about it. And I don't want to take away from that. You know, I'm yeah. very, very happy about that accomplishment. I think it also adds a little bit of pressure. You know, now you're looking at this and people are going, I'm the leading scorer now. I have three goals. I'm doing all this stuff from the outside. And it adds that kind of pressure for me now when they're going, you deserve more. You should be getting more. I went back into Colorado, uh, Boulder. And while I played significantly more minutes than I'm used to, not what I was at last year. You know, we're still on the upward trajectory. I'm very, very happy about that. But, you know, I'm still not starting. I'm still not playing, you know, as significant of minutes as I may be used to. But now instead of before where we may be happy about that, now that I have these accomplishments, people from the outside maybe are going and talking to me and being like, you deserve more. You should be getting more, especially, you know, your parents are your one fans and everything like that. But you have the Facebook posts, you know, my mom's hyping me up. And then you have your family members calling me and be like, what's going on? Or old teammates or old coaches and being like, what the heck? Especially after last week's episode where they know what's going on in the inside, or maybe they wouldn't have checked up on that before. So it's an amazing feeling. I have a little bit of mixed emotions about it. I think, well, it's an incredible accomplishment and maybe make things a little bit harder for me going forward, just mentally staying locked in and being positive with it all. You know, we had a great great, great game. Seven, nothing. You can't be upset about that. You know, I really appreciate you bringing up both sides of that too. Cause I think as athletes, we are perfectionists in a lot of different ways. We expect a lot of out of ourselves because we know we can do it in a lot of regards, high levels of success. Like you had, you know, you are happy, but there always is that double-edged sword of, okay, I got a taste of it, but what next? What more? But like, there's a whole thing in the Broadway musical Hamilton. That's like, he's never satisfied, but I feel like a lot of athletes have that mentality in the sense of there's always something more. What else are we chasing? And so that's a really cool and really 
big perspective to bring up. You know, I'd love to ask you, you say you and your coach have a very honest and blunt relationship. What was that like after the game, after, you know, going through the range of it so far? So we went to the game and we were up, you know, by, I think it was four, nothing a half. I got my shot. I went in, uh, capitalized. He took me off after that third goal. I don't think anyone was cheering louder or smiling more than he was, which was a really nice feeling to see. But we went into Colorado and I played, I think, 40 minutes that game, significantly more than I'm used to. I got to finish out the game when we were losing. So we're reading into things, you know, he, he believed that I could put one in the back of the net. And it was nice to kind of have that trust and feeling and relationship there. Um, thankful for my teammates. They put four in the back of the net. I got to go in, do my thing, and really just capitalize and maximize those minutes. And uh, he was happy for me. It would be very naive and neglectful for, I feel like, for us not to mention everything else happening on the soccer scheme in the world right now. And you're hearing everything happening out of Spain, obviously World Cup champions, and then the extremely inappropriate and unfortunate situations that happened after the game it makes me as a player who has a very good relationship with her coach and I like I have so much respect for my coaching staff to hear that your coach is the loudest one cheering for you when he's also pushed you in a lot of different ways you know those honest relationships that we have with our coaches and when you hear things about everything going on in Spain and inappropriateness within our game which is still so tragic and sad that we have to be having this conversation in 2023 it also makes me so grateful for the relationships that we have and the trust. Because let's be real here. I mean, you go play college soccer and in a lot of ways, our parents are giving us and our coaches are expected to look out for us now. Be a pseudo parent role in some kind of weird way as we're going through the most developmental phases of our lives, both physically and emotionally and intellectually. It's a very vulnerable state to be in and to have a relationship that I cherish so much with my coach and I know that you do with yours. It just makes me so much extra grateful for everything when you hear about the manipulation that also can occur. So I'd be naive not to bring up the situation with Spain. Of course, watching all that unfold, I was saying earlier, it's crazy that like I'm getting CNN updates about the Spanish women's soccer program. You know, I feel like that's never something that's on national news and that's been really brought to the public's attention and I'm happy about it. Absolutely. And it's one that as cool as it is to see it being brought to light and not being pushed on the rug, it's tragic that it had to happen this way. And it makes you wonder if they didn't get put on that stage, if they didn't win at all, who's looking at it? Like, does it get this much attention as it should and as it needs to? Hearts go out to them. It's a terrible, terrible situation to be in. And it makes you really, really grateful for the relationships you do have. I'm very, very lucky. Part of the thing that we looked at when we were talking about schools and the reason I think my parents were so appreciative and loved Michigan State so much was that it had a very, very nice family dynamic. And I'm glad that that's hold true throughout my three years thus far and that I'm able to have the relationships I do with my coaches and teammates that support me, you know? And like you said, a coach's job is to be you're a critic. They're breaking apart all of your technical abilities to decide if you're the best person for the job in that moment. And when you succeed, though, to have them be your number one fan in those moments is an amazing feeling. And speaking of coaches, we also have to shout out the sister podcast for Girls Soccer Network. We have Give and Go, where Rotas Rodora will be talking to Randy Waldman this week, which is the co coach for Pitt and also the Nigerian women's national team. So that recording will happen this week. It'll drop soon for so for everyone listening to this podcast, please also go check out Give and Go. There's always great updates, great sports talk. Rotas does an absolutely amazing job over there. And trust me, this is an interview you're not going to want to miss. Okay, so Jordan, we talk a lot about, okay, what are we going to talk about this week? What do people want to hear? And one of the most asked questions we keep getting, and I know every time I talk to a recruit, I feel like I get this question, 
is how do you balance it all? Today was your first day of school. It sounds like you had a crazy bit of travel. So how do you even get started? How do you balance it all, Jordan? Uh, I mean, I think at first, let's just like walk you through my day. Because <laughs> I think it speaks for itself, honestly. We get back from Colorado. We were there for six days, I believe, in total. We get back at like 1 a.m. So we get back to our room. School starts now. My first class is in less than eight hours. And the way our situation just worked with me and Belle, uh, my roommate here, was that we had to move out before we left for Colorado, but we couldn't move into our new place. So what do you do? We end up throwing everything in our living room because our roommates got early moving, but we couldn't get into our rooms. We're moving everything, kind of pulling it all later the night before we leave, pretty much, throwing everything in the living room. The rest of it's in our car. We get back from Colorado. We can't park our car at our new apartment yet. So we're mopeding around. We throw our suitcases. Suitcases are stored in the car. Cars are at the athletic facility still. Mopeding bag at one in the morning to our apartment. Everything's in our living room. We're just trying to find sheets. Don't have find sheets. Both of us are just sleeping on the bare mattress at this point. We wake up for school. Can't find socks. Can't find clothes. I have no idea where anything is. I'm borrowing pencils from people. Like, I don't have my books yet. All of this, probably my fault. Could I have been more responsible before we left? Absolutely. But this is what my day was like. So we go in, we do our classes, our syllabus and stuff. Pretty easy first day, but I do because I'm a mechanical engineering major, the way the classes fall are usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and most of them are in person. So I had a full day from 9.10 to 2.40 of classes, class load. And then I have uh, asynchronous and two labs on Tuesdays. So nothing on Thursdays, but Mondays, four classes, Tuesday, two, Wednesday, four, Thursday, nothing, Friday, four, which oh. is honestly a fine schedule because I have off Thursdays for games. It was a wild day. Well, thank you for making the time of being here. I'm happy I get to spend my time with you. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. Breaking it down, just for those who don't understand, luckily today, Jordan had an off day from soccer. So every NCAA athlete is mandated one off day in the seven-day period. About Mondays are both of our off days. It's pretty common in college soccer is for Monday to be the off day. Luckily, on top of that, you didn't have practice. But yeah, balancing everything can be really crazy. Frankly, it's probably one of the better benefits out of COVID is we've gotten more and more opportunity, at least I know I had, for online and asynchronous stuff. However... Like Jordan said, she's a really particular major and going through college, I did as well. So it's a very tough thing to balance. And so Jordan just explained kind of her weekly schedule. Mine's very, very different. I want to make that very clear. I'm in a unique situation with where I'm at academically. So I not only graduated high school early, but I also already came into or graduated high school early to come to college. So I came to college in January of 2019, but I also came in with about 45 semester hours of transfer credit from high school. So I've been a very unique situation academically my whole life, basically coming in in my freshman year being a junior. With that being said, uh, I changed my major five times. So that basically like got thrown out the window when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But it gave me the flexibility to do that. But being a fifth year now, I actually graduated in May. So I've already graduated with my main degree. I was a public health major and went through all that shebang. And then I'm working on my second degree right now. And in December, I'll graduate with my second undergrad degree in sports media. So as a college athlete and as an NCAA athlete, you have to be a full-time student, of course. And so that means that pretty much any institution is 12 semester hours. However, you're allowed to do less than full-time if you're within one semester of graduation. So for me, I'm in within one semester of graduation for my second degree. 
which has allowed me to only be in three semester hours. So I joke with Jordan all the time. I probably rub in her face that I am not in school because on top of that, my three semester hours, I'm actually extremely fortunate. I am working under professor right now at, with an honors project and I'm actually writing a chapter of a textbook. So I don't have a real class. I'm not in anything actually academically. I just have to publish a paper by the time I graduate. So for me, my life is very, very different than Jordan's craziness. Absolutely. A little bit envious, a lot of bit envious right now um, in this moment. But yeah, yeah, as crazy as it is, you know, we have so much support academically being in the conference. We are being Big Ten. We have... Danny, who is our academic advisor, he helps schedule all of our classes, helps us balance the load, making sure we're not only eligible for schooling, but that we're set up for success, both on the field and off the field, to be our best player and student. You're an engineering major, and I think none of us take that lightly at all. And don't get me wrong, every major has its own complications and everything that it does, but it's a different type of grind and that kind of idea. Going into classes when you know you're missing classes, what is your biggest advice for someone who knows that they're going to have to be balancing both of those things? My biggest advice would be don't miss the classes you don't have to. Um, advice I really wish, and I would kick my younger self in the butt right now because I, I didn't really take that advice my first two years. Go to the classes you don't have to miss and the classes you do have to miss, make sure you're letting the teacher and professors know way in advance. Keep reminding them as the date gets closer. Yeah. Uh, another thing I didn't really do as much, I was like used to high school. I was like, I can just kind of be like, hey, I'm not going to be here. Let me take the exam a day later. Not how it works. Not how it works at all. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you really hit the nail on the head for everything I've experienced. And I'm going to fully understand that not every professor is going to be as lenient as others. And, you know, certain schools have different requirements. So, you know, we can only speak to our experiences at the institutions we go into and me specifically in the major I was in. I was a public health major, and that is the smallest major on University of Iowa's campus. It's its own separate college. And I believe my graduating class had about 47 people in it. So for a giant, large school, it was a very small program. And that gave me a lot of flexibility because frankly, it felt like high school in the sense of everyone knew who I was. I was the second student athlete to ever graduate with a public health degree from the University of Iowa. So because of that, it wasn't like there was 15 people who were going to miss a class and they felt like they were having to bend over backwards for so many people. That being said, I think my number one advice, and I told this to every single freshman and you nailed it on the head is make a relationship with your professors. At the end of the day, they're teaching what they're teaching because it is a passion of theirs. I don't know many professors that go into the education world of a certain topic and absolutely hate what they're talking about. It's something that they're actively doing research in, something that they've actually had a passion for. So when you show an interest and a respect to what they care about, they are going to share that back with you. So because of that, I was a person that sat in the front row of every single class I was in. Every single first day of school, I walked up to every professor and shook their hand, like you said, and just introduced myself and said, hey, I'm on the women's soccer team. I am going to miss a lot of classes. How do you want me to best communicate that with you? Listen, I know that the last thing you want to do when you're one free two, three hours is go to another meeting or go meet with another person. But if I was struggling in a class or if I had even the slightest question, going into their office hours and making a personal relationship did me so, so well, because let me tell you, the one time the Wi-Fi didn't work on the bus and I forgot to submit a homework assignment, 
that professor knew who I was and knew that I was really well-intentioned and they were, they cut me some slack. I've had professors that I've built enough personal relationship with that they come to my games. I had a professor give extra credit to everyone in the class who went to the Iowa women's soccer game. I had a professor who canceled an exam the day after we won a big 10 championship. Cause she's like, I know Sam Carey was celebrating last night. So the ability to build these relationships with people, like I have lifelong professors that will be invited to my wedding because of the relationships that we've built. And let me tell you, when you turn in that paper, that's a little bit subjective and you're on that border between an, you know, an A and a B, they see your name, they know how hard you worked on it and how much else you're balancing. They're definitely more likely to take out. I fully believe professors want to help you. So being able to take advantage of that, I think is probably the biggest advice I'd ever have. Absolutely. And I think me and you are very, very different in this sense, where it seems like you kind of had an idea of what things were going into it a little bit more. My relationship with school, I think, is very, very different than yours. I definitely don't have any professors that are going to be invited to my wedding. <laughs> I'm the girl who likes to sit in the back, um, you know, kind of hat down. What do I really need to pay attention to? And I really try to extend how much I could get away with. And I had no idea what I was getting myself in when I got to college because everything was so easy for me in high school. So I was like, oh, this will be the same thing. I came in with almost a year worth of credits just from high school. Going into my freshman year, I was like, this will be a breeze. It, in fact, is not. It is way <laughs> harder, <laughs> which seems obvious. But, you know, it just didn't really process for me because nothing's ever been hard for me academically before. So that was a big struggle. I had definitely had to learn everything that you said the hard way. Your advice, spot on, 100%. Please listen. You will save yourself <laughs> a lot of grief as you go through this. Um, definitely building those relationships with the professors. Sitting in the front, sitting in the back, you're just not as focused at all. That's something I took to my junior year to learn as I you know, went through the first two, just kind of Huh, Jenna, what were the notes again? I got really lucky. One of my roommates, also a mechanical engineer, she's on the gymnastics team, saved my butt more times than I could count academically from me just fumbling my way through it. So without her, I, I probably wouldn't be graduating, if I'm being honest, you know, just from it all. But I definitely, I definitely had to fumble my way throughout all of this. I definitely feel like I have more of a grasp of things now going into my junior year. I have my whole schedule written out now ahead of time, which has really, really helped me. I've missed assignments, you know, things like that. So having a schedule written down, making that personal connection with your teacher, sitting in the front of the class, really being engaged, wanting to be there, knowing it's going to help, not just having to, you know, shrug your shoulders and shuffle your feet into the classroom and just show up because you have to go show up. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to get anything out of it. There's no point of you being there anyways. Um, all of things... I implore you, please, please listen. I, you know, wish, wish someone would have told me that as I came into my college. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing with academics is I feel like we all eventually hit our wall. It's just a matter of who hits them at different points at different times. So it sounds like I got a little bit more fortunate that I hit mine when I was in high school. So I learned going into college, whereas you unfortunately hit that battle going into college. But, you know, a bit personally about me, my first day of college, so I was 18 years old, I got diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. So I went 18 years of my life without knowing I was dyslexic, which explained a lot about my ability to read over 18 years. I'm going to be really honest. It was kind of like, okay, I'm not actually stupid. Uh, this is great to know. But so for me, I learned a lot of these struggles that Jordan's talking about just earlier because of my battle with that. And I think with that being said, one of the biggest things I want to talk about is resources, you know, as student athletes, we're blessed, but frankly, there's also a ton of resources if you're not student athletes and, 
you know, Jordan was talking about her academic learning center for athletes. I, we have ours as well, Jordan Athletic Center. It's incredible facility. You don't have to be a student athlete or even a student athlete at a power five to find these resources. You know, I found a lot of my resources through my SDS accommodations and my IEP for dyslexia. And whenever I was struggling with something like that, I had resources there. One of my first things I do is I make friends in my classes that aren't athletes because when I'm missing class, so find your community in your academics, as much as we talk about finding community in your athletics, being able to be a part of both and truly embody that student athlete experience emphasis on the student has helped me through the times where the athlete feels very overwhelming or overtolling. And like you said, all of the resources we talked about are open to anyone. They're just maybe not as easy to find or successful for athletes. We get really lucky that way. You know, another thing we do is like, I get tutors for pretty much every class I can, you know, yeah. I absolutely love it. It's a great resource to have. And the emphasis on finding your your group within your major, a lot of times, I mean, me and Jenna, my roommate, joke all the time in our classes and we're like, oh, you know, we make up little stories about the people we see because we see them in all of our classes, right? Like you grow up with each other. The one thing that comes to my mind when I'm thinking about balancing academics and athletics, I'd love to know if you feel the same. It's what I have deemed as the mid-season block. And it is around this wave that seems to hit me. I, Based on your face, it's hit you too. Around late September, mid-October, when the thought of anything academic makes you literally want to go to sleep. How do you deal with your mid-season block? I think, yeah, mid-season block for sure. Very, very real. Um, you know, the weather gets a little bit colder too. I'm like, do I really want to walk to class? Do I really want to ride my moped? It's going to be cold. There's no parking for my car. I make, you know, all the excuses in the world why I shouldn't have to go to class. It's like I said, you know, first two years I fumbled my way through it. I probably didn't do as much as I should have. Junior year, I have a game plan. I'll let you know in a couple weeks if it works. <laughs> the schedule thing, making sure I have it written down every Sunday, after our games, making sure I'm eating before class. Never a big breakfast girl. I don't really like breakfast foods. I definitely don't like waking up early in order to eat. Eating is more of a task to me. Like, But, you know, obviously I'm hungry and then I'm grumpy and then I don't want to go and it all snowballs. So making sure I'm eating before class. I have my time blocked down. All right. So that means that when we record these every Monday, I'll just hit you with the question like, Jordan, what do we have written down for the week? Let's go. I'll keep you honest. I got you. I got you. I appreciate it. Someone needs to. <laughs> And I think going off that, you know, I feel like as a student athlete with the fall season, I'm sure with those with spring, you know, it's just a bit different timing wise. Like I start my excitement level for school starts super high and it very, very slowly starts trickling down. And, you know, I was joking with all my freshmen this week who are like, yeah, my notes are color coded and pretty. I'm like, oh yeah, let's see how long that lasts. Yeah. Like I give it two weeks max. It's not going to be as pretty. But I think the best thing is use that momentum to start off strong. The worst feeling in the world is when it comes to final exam season and you're calculating your percentage of what you need on your final and you realize that doing that one assignment in August a little bit better could have helped you out. So if we start the momentum strong, it's a lot better to feel like, man, I only need this score in my final versus, oh, shoot, I need this score. So being able to feel better about that because you started in a strong place, I think is probably the best way that you can kick off the school year and ride that momentum. Some really good advice. You know, same thing, you know, coming in every year hot then you know mid-season black hits and you give up quick but making sure you carry that momentum through it and not letting it go is I think some great advice okay so speaking of advice speaking of questions we 
put our first Instagram story up on Girls Soccer Network and ask for your guys' questions. And we are so thankful for the feedback. So we have selected three questions that we have hit and we have gotten and we're excited to talk about. And please know that you can always look for our Friday Instagram story. It's going to be a weekly thing where you guys can submit your questions for us to answer on upcoming podcasts. So Jordan, first question, people want to, I guess we didn't get more into our backgrounds and more into our history. And I have a feeling in upcoming episodes that we have planned out, it'll come out, but where did you play growing up? Where did you play club? What league were you in? Give us those kind of backgrounds. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Brunswick, Ohio. So I played for Cleveland Football Club, CFC. Um, I started off at OP Fire in seventh grade. I started my club career. And then I was there for two years. We had that rule change where you went from uh, August birthdays to year birthdays. I was the youngest girl on my team. So the team kind of fell apart. We all went to CFC. I ended up there for the rest of my career. Um, we played in the National League. So, you know, not really of a thing anymore. I don't think I haven't heard as much about it. Everything's changed so much. My club team, I don't even think really exists anymore. I think we're like Cleveland Everest. They kept getting absorbed by other clubs. So much has changed since then. I started club in seventh grade. I was on OP Fire for two years. Then I went to CFC. Fun fact about me is I was actually kind of a left back until my senior year of high school. Oh. Um, Yeah, which is crazy because defending probably isn't my strongest suit right now. (laughs) So... Really uh, interesting fact that, you know, comes out. But yeah, I was I was a left back for a lot of my career. And then I kind of fought my way. Um, I reviewed with my coaches into letting me play other places. I probably played every single position on the field growing up. Um, main position being left back. And then, you know, I talked my way into being like, what about your swinger for five minutes a game or center mid, you know, and I played kind of everywhere. And then senior year of high school came. Junior year we missed because of COVID. So we missed junior year, came back from senior year. I got my shot at forward and I ran with it ever since. So that's kind awesome. of awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, so a bit more about me. I am from St. Charles, Missouri. And growing up, I played for a really small club uh, called Norco until seventh grade when I switched to St. Louis Scott Gallagher and played in the ECNL. Gallagher's now moved on to be one of the more dominant clubs in the country. There's one team that's won two national championships in the ECNL. So super proud to be a St. Louis Scott Gallagher alum. And like Jordan, I also played left back, but I've kind of stuck there. Um, So played left back all of club and played left back my first three-ish, four-ish years of college and slowly moved centrally-ish. But basically anywhere in the back line for Iowa. But yeah, so St. Louis Scott Gallagher in the ECNL. And like I said, Jordan and I have future episodes planned where we'll we'll dig a bit more into our past and how we've ended up to where we are. Okay, this one, I saw this question and I just had to sit here and think. It took me a bit. So Jordan, what is the best piece of advice that someone has given you? The best piece of advice someone has given me I think would be to just stay in the moment. It's advice I've gotten kind of all throughout my life. And for me, I love the big plans, right? I love to think as far ahead as possible. The second I got to college, I'm calculating, you know, the fastest track to graduation, which then when originally I got here, because we're talking about academics, I was a double major with business administration and mechanical engineering. Dumb idea, because how? (laughs) But I took a bunch of classes that I didn't need. I'm panicking, like I'm having a meltdown because I was looking so far in the future that my big plans ruined. You know, I forgot that like, you're fine. Like, it's okay. 
you know, it's going to be okay not to have everything figured out so far in advance. And I catch myself all the time, just looking so far into the future. I forget to live in the moment, to live in the present. So it's the best piece of advice I ever got. I try my best to listen to it, but I still struggle with that sometimes. So that would be something I love to maybe, you know, as we move forward, implement more into my life, but I definitely come a long way from where I started with it. So that's awesome. What about you? That's awesome. You know, I think if this coach were to hear me say that this is the best piece of advice, I don't know if he would like laugh in my face and say, I told you so, or if he would be absolutely, utterly shocked based on the amount of eye rolls he got when he said it to me. I had a coach my freshman, sophomore year of college, every day after I would like have a bad practice, you know, you you know, you like that feeling that like guilt you like to sit in because you're like, oh my gosh, I suck at soccer. That thing that we love to tell each other all, and ourselves all the time. Um, he would come up to me. He's like, hey, you have this very thick Serbian accent. He's like, the sun's coming up tomorrow. And I remember I'd be like, you know what? Like, duh, like screw you. Like I'm aware, but that doesn't mean today doesn't suck. And he was like, Sam, the one guarantee in life is that tomorrow the sun's going to come up. And that means it's a new day with a new opportunity. And the more and more I joke that I'm now older and wiser, I look back on that. And that is so true. I would almost punish myself. I feel like if I had a bad practice, because the guilt sets in and you're like, I feel like I should feel awful the rest of the day because I played awful with something I love to come home and think about. And it would ruin the rest of my day because I had to feel bad. I almost felt guilty when I didn't. I was like, I can't be happy. I had a bad practice today. And just knowing that, hey, that's going to happen. But guess what? Tomorrow I get a new opportunity. Tomorrow I get to get better and change my mindset on something like that and know that the sun's always going to come up and that gives me another chance as something that I truly love to reset by. And so it's something that was told me. And I think if he heard me say that right now on this podcast, he would absolutely laugh in my face. Absolutely. That reminds me a lot one where it's like if you had $86,000 and someone stole $10 of it from your bank account, would you throw the rest away? You're like, no, that's dumb. And then it goes on to like the one bad pass or the one, you know, those 10 seconds, you know, don't throw the rest of the day away because of it. Um, so it really, really powerful. You know, I agree 100%. Sun will come up tomorrow. We all live in that guilt. So great advice to live by. 100%. All right. And this last one, I wonder, I wonder if we're gonna have a similar answer here, but I want to hear what you're gonna say. What accomplishment in your career are you most proud of? I know we'll get into more of our, our pasts in these future episodes, but for me, growing up, I didn't think college was really in the picture for me, right? My dream, my life goal, the reason I started club, all of it was so that I could make my high school team, right? And I wasn't that good at soccer to begin with. I started a little bit late, kind of seventh grade. The first words out of my club coach's mouth to me when I joined the club team was you're number 20 on a 16 person roster, you know? And it sounds harsh, but I was just so excited to be a part of it. Like he took a chance on me and I probably didn't deserve to be there in that moment. So I was doing everything in my power to make my high school team. And then I did, you know, and I had a rough kind of two years there. My sophomore year, he made me a left back. I'm fighting back and forth with him, things like that. My senior year, I end up setting, I think, four or five high school records between points, assists, and goals in a game. They also named me captain. And I think those are some of just like my proudest moments and accomplishments because those were the moments I wanted and I spent all that time looking up for Like, I absolutely loved playing and representing for my high school team, which is maybe a hot take nowadays because a lot of girls don't anymore. Um, but it was the best thing ever. It was some of my best memories. My favorite accomplishments were breaking those records, being that captain. I was named uh, Gazette MVP for my high school women's soccer player. You know, nothing super crazy, but like 
it was everything to me, those moments. The people I idolized and grew up to were those high school I watched growing up, and now I get to be one of them. And I don't think I've ever taken that for granted in those moments. And there's some of my absolute, you know, favorite and, and favorite memories. And then, of course, like winning the Big Ten, women's soccer. Throw that in there, too, I guess. I think the biggest thing, first of all, I'm getting more and more about this, excited about this podcast where we dive into our backgrounds, because you and I have very different backgrounds from what I'm learning. So that'll be very interesting. I absolutely hated my high school experience, which is half the reason I came to college early. But for me, you know, I think that like you echo your story, it's all about the journey. It's all about the fact that seventh grade, you had a goal and you got to see that come to fruition. And I think you, when you look back on career moments where you're most proud of, I think we look back on where our journey started and where they came to be. And that's why they mean so much to us. You know, it's not about a stat. It's not about a moment. It's about the whole picture. So if I'm looking at my most proud moment, I'm thinking about, you know, I talked about it last episode, but I look back on it naturally, it's going to be lifting the big 10 trophy, but frankly, it's going to be the fact that I wasn't on the field for the game and how I handled that as a human being, you know, we're going to talk about on the field, you know, I could say, yeah, you know, scoring a goal against Michigan state university in my junior year, uh, but I won't do that to Jordan, but <laughs> I got to say, it was just being a part of a team in a moment and who I was as an individual. And I think it was where I first realized I am a good leader. I am a good teammate. And I can frankly successfully put myself above others. And that might sound weird that I realized that when I was 20 years old, but it was one of my first big moments in life where I got an opportunity to challenge who I was as a person and be proud of who I was, uh, frankly, in moments that I didn't even recognize what I was doing. So I think that'd be my most proud moment of my career is the fact that I got to lift a Big Ten trophy when I wasn't even on the field to play in the game. And yeah, and frankly, like I get emotional talking about it. It was definitely one of those moments that just sits with you. Yeah, wow. I mean, absolutely incredible. I know we talked about it last episode, but to hear that's one of your most proud accomplishments is really, really amazing. So we definitely have, I think, a little bit of a different background. You hated your high school. You couldn't have paid me to leave early. Like there was no way that probably would have like, if a school asked me to, I probably would have had to pick somewhere else. Like I loved my high school. So. All right. Well, okay. Next episode, stay tuned. Jordan and I are getting into high school, what that looked like and how we ended up where we are. I think that's dead set right there based on this conversation. So speaking of next week, we have big games. We have big opportunities coming up. What does your next week look like, Jordan? Yeah, we have two home games, which is really nice after being on the road for a week um eastern at home on thursday and then we'll go ahead and face off against notre dame host them sunday so that will be a really really big one i'm excited for that what about you guys that's awesome on wednesday we will fly down to mississippi state to play them on thursday big game for us on the road mississippi state has had a great season so far they were really really deep into the ncaa tournament last year so we know it's going to be a tough game big 10 versus sec and super excited for that challenge and then on Sunday, we're going to bring it on home and host SEMO for our senior night. So it will be my senior night, which I'm sure will bring a tidal wave of emotions that I'm definitely not prepared for. But looking forward to just these moments with the team and having a great week. Yeah, amazing. I can't believe it's already your senior night. I can't either. I do not know when the time went. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, I already told everyone, I'm like, I'm going to be a mess. There's no question. 
Uh, I already got some pictures. You played uh, when you played Iowa State. Issa, she used to be on our team. She ended up transferring there. So she sent me a whole bunch of pictures and was like, look at your podcast, buddy. And it's you two going against each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. That's too good. Yeah, it was a great game against Iowa State. Always is a rivalry game. You know, it's one of those you got to play for the full 90 minutes. So definitely... Definitely a great one to be on. So I want to see some pictures terrible. from the senior night. See if you uh, um, keep together enough, or I'm oh, expecting like, the poster of the podcast is going to be me with just tears streaming down my face. Guaranteed, guaranteed, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> All right, well, Jordan, good luck this week. Thank you so much for everything. As always, follow us on Girls Soccer Network. Like and subscribe, please, and thank you. Help us make this podcast better. Submit your questions and soccer on. Bye, guys. Bye.